hey, I'm here with Kansas Bowling. I'm not drinking any tea because it's like the end of the day here. And I'm on my sunrise, sunset schedule. And you're drinking something. What, what were you having? I'm drinking tea. What kind? <laughs> uh, ginger turmeric tea. That's good. I mean, that's an herbal, but that's really, that's like, that's like what I should be having right now. That would yeah. be really good. It cleans your system. It's like so amazing for your throat. And you're just like, you think clearly. I had this, I had like a ginger kombucha thing earlier today and it felt that's nice. I hadn't had one for months and I got like some, someone brought them from Mexico city to here. So it was really refreshing because I only get like certain things here for quarantine. I've been having at least one a day, sometimes two, sometimes three. I I can't go a day without a kombucha. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And now, now I'm about to start. Like now I I bought like 10 and she comes every Thursday now, she says. So I'm going to be having one a day, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been on like a, have you had your like quarantine diet that you've noticed like new things about yourself? Like either not, not even just like food diet, but like, do you have like new, I don't know, health things, rituals, flows, like whatever. Uh, Sort of. I don't, I don't usually cook that much because I'm usually out all the time, but I've been cooking almost every meal and I've been using the crock pot a lot, which I've only used like once or twice before lockdown and he's it's like, super versatile but it just sits in my yeah I have one in New York and I don't think I've ever used it it just sits there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can cook anything in it and I, yeah, I, I'm aware that it that it is very versatile but I've never used it <laughs> yeah <laughs> lots of soups it's good soups are good for quarantine because you get on this life where it's just like you just eat at like whenever you know, and you just want to heat something up and like not really think about it. And yeah, I don't really have like yeah. meal times anymore. It's just whatever. It's just days. Someone, you know, uh, someone was talking about like, like they're in New York and it's like nice weather in New York right now. And I was like, oh yeah, it's a great time of year. And I was like, Wait, who am I kidding? I don't know what time of year it is. Like, what am I saying? <laughs> I'm I totally. Like, I'm yeah. trying to think about how much time has passed because it. It just makes me feel very confused. It's so weird. <laughs> I, so, I mean, I, 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 you and I don't know each other, like where this is our, our first time really talking just for a few minutes before, but uh, like I made a film at the end of the year in October uh-huh. and it like the weirdest thing, I had all these other plans like in life, you know, as we all do. And yeah. uh, part of which was I was telling you, I was like sick over the winter. So that got pushed back a little bit. And then like this, and so I'm submitting to Venice tomorrow and like I had no, like it was so strange to me. Venice is like my dream, but it never occurred to me to put this film into Venice because I shot it in October and it was just yeah. like Venice is in September. I shot it right. I came home from Venice, shot the film and I was like, I'm going to do a million things before, <laughs> before next year's Venice. And all of a sudden it's next year's Venice. And Nothing else is going to happen. It's, and it's like, it's so strange. It's, it's a little demoralizing, but like, I don't know. Yeah, I just finished a feature film too, right before Congrats. all this happened. So it's, it's like sort of done now. It's, a, it's like the sound is being worked on. But That's literally, I have the sound going right now. Like I just checked in. I'm like, hey, I'm going to record an episode. Like talk to you in a couple hours. Like, yeah. Yeah, right after 
this. I have to watch the final color paths for it. So that's literally what I'm doing too. Like I have, I have sound going right now. I'm going to do color tomorrow, but yeah, like oh, okay. I'm going to listen to yeah. it tonight. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I didn't the, even the only thing, yeah. The only thing I can't get done right now is I was going to do the titles on an optical printer, but the place I was going to use is in New York. So wow. I was like, Oh, I'll just, you know, I'll just do that when this is over in a couple months. And then, right. you know, <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna get to New York right now. I don't really want to go on a plane at the moment. But I mean, don't go if you're gonna go somewhere. Don't. Well, I mean, you have a good reason to go to New York, I guess. But like, I don't want. I'm. I'm I live in New York. What? I, if if I live anywhere, that's where I live. But yeah, not... I, I live in New York half the time. Also, I live oh, there. Okay. In LA, so I just I, I don't want to be in New York right now. Like yeah, it seems really scary. It's like yeah. already stressful going to a grocery store there when there isn't a pandemic and like. And now all this shit, all of a sudden we're in, you know, a rebellion as well. It's like, what yeah. a fucking time. It's crazy. Yeah, it's really, really crazy. I've been feeling kind of weird, like being the last few days at least, like being disconnected from it, but like talking to a lot of people who are in the middle of it, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, the last couple of days has like peaked. Like the fact that we now have riots going on during the pandemic, like is just that's that's yeah. it's bonkers. I, it's a, uh, it's really great to see though. I mean, minus yeah. the fact that you know there might be a huge spike in cases because of all the riots, but yeah. I don't know. I love to see targets getting destroyed and stuff. That's amazing. <laughs> I think corporations are evil. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I'm all for it. I like in the past, I've been very um, critical of a lot of the kind of activism that sparked around, you know, starting in 2015, 2016. Um, and a lot of sort of just the trendiness of it. Um, but right now, I think that, you know, we have a specific like called action and it's it's to yeah. get trump out of office and it's like whatever yeah. this if this thing if this radical moment could swing that like that's amazing that would be so incredible that would be like if if quarantine and this horrific 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 you know police brutality murder could get trump out of office like holy shit like that's a miracle. It's a horrible miracle, but it's a fucking miracle. We'll see. I don't I don't see that really happening, but <laughs> I don't I, I think I think it's it's more likely I feel more it had never occurred to me until last night that we could possibly like it was just a foregone conclusion yeah. that Trump was gonna have eight years for the last you know three years. Yeah. Last night was the first time I even considered that maybe we wouldn't. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm like betting on it, but I saw a path. Well, yeah, I mean, we can only hope. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> but I'm happy it's happening. And... It's been a, it's such a wild moment for people to, you know, a lot of what I was talking about today with people was just like not forgetting that this is like a mental health crisis also, 
that people have been in their homes dealing with things in a way that like they're not equipped to in an unprecedented way. And now they have to also be like protesting and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, this, uh, I don't know if I even want to get into this, but I don't know. Basically there's like this really crazy dude I worked with once and I had to like block his number and everything. And I just found out he killed his wife in quarantine. What? <laughs> like last week. It's really fucked up. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, I, I, I remember we were saying that when this first happened. We're like, wow, people are like going to be killing each other. <laughs> well, yeah, happened. you put two people together, like couples, yeah. you know, this is like, you see people, you know, we all know people, couples who just have toxic relationships and the yeah. space is maybe the only thing that keeps them from that. And oh my God, that really, I haven't, wow. Yeah, it was, it was like a, I mean, it wasn't just because of quarantine. This dude was like super unstable. Like I like I said, I after I worked with him, I blocked his number. I was like, whoa. And I like warned all these people like, don't work with this guy who's insane. And then he did it. That's so Ugh. sad. Crazy. Really, really crazy. I was listening to, I mean, I think so many stories like that are gonna come out. You know, I'm I, we hear yeah. bits and pieces, but like I don't know, I just listened to like a scripted one that Julia Fox did. Uh, that was like a podcast, like audio of like a husband and a wife, like breaking up and getting back together and breaking up and getting back together through quarantine. I've heard a few stories like the Mary-Kate Olsen, Olsen and like Sarkozy story was pretty wild. But oh, really? I think, yeah, I mean, they, like they're getting divorced right now and they're just like yeah. using like lawyers and shit, like kicking each other out. They're like blocking places, like he's giving her an ultimatum of like she has to leave the home by a certain time but it's like that's where she's quarantining it's just like you know it's ridiculous and yeah i'm sure there's a million other parts to this story that i don't that you know i'm not privy to but it's just there's so much there's i don't know what better word to use for it but it's like there's been so much life lately like just so much happening the world is just we're seeing so much i don't know yeah yeah it's all it's all pretty overwhelming <laughs> what have you been like where's your head been do you do you write do you what do you, what have you been doing yeah i mean when this all first started it was like a few weeks of just doing nothing but watch movies because that's all sure. i could really focus on but uh yeah we me and my boyfriend and my roommate here we've we've been counting the movies we watched in quarantine we're at 155 oh is that the list i saw the list you're posting yeah i wrote down a few that i really like like liquid sky oh. you're two for the oh, road yeah, that, was, that, was my, that was my pre-quarantine list of movies i'd recommended but we have 155 brand new movies that i've never seen before that oh my god that's uh, a lot of movies wow <laughs> we're really good at watching movies but uh i don't know after that i just start working on things i like I edited a short film I've been meaning to do. And, um, I just made like an hour. My my boyfriend did like an hour long um, electronic set for a radio show, and I just did um, like cool. a visual piece for it. It's an hour oh, long awesome. set. Finished that. Um, I wrote a script that I had to turn in, and you know, just been trying to do like meetings over Zoom like this right. about other projects, and then uh, just doing the finishing things for the feature I just finished like 
uh, going over color passes with the colorist and sending it back and stuff like that. When did you finish shooting? Uh, I finished shooting like a year ago, but oh, okay. I, it took me took me like a year to edit. Um, oh, so you, yeah, you've been doing the actual like a lot of post. I mean, that's good. Yeah. There's a lot of people that were like in the middle of shooting and are left with like a 75% done film. And it's like, oh, that's yeah. No, luckily, luckily, I finished shooting, so that's, that's awesome. All good. Um, can you tell anything about it? Um, feel free to say no. I'm just like opening that thread if like it's a thread. Uh, I'll just say it's like a it's a pseudo educational film, like a what they used to call white coat films, like Faces of Death, but uh, in like a in a, in a like a like a girly Faces of Death. <laughs> I was never allowed to watch Faces of Death. That was one of the VHS cassettes that I would see every weekend. In uh, we'd go up to I'm from New York, but we'd go up to Connecticut on the weekends and huh? went to the same video store. You know, every whatever that was, like Friday night when we'd drive up and uh, I'd get to pick two usually I guess, I guess yeah like two two videos out and I'd always see that that cover there there were like a bunch of faces of death eventually um yeah I think there's nine yeah and a few of them are just like edited of like compilations of the previous right. ones I never um I watched them years you know later but um that was always one of those when I think of Faces of Death, I think of like there's this mystique to it because I wasn't allowed and I had to imagine, you know, what it was. And yeah, that was more terrifying than anything. So I didn't know what it was, <laughs> but I was more terrified. Faces of Death represented, you know, terror in a way that that child's play, you know, could never touch. Yeah, uh, well, the Wait, you cut out. You cut out. Say that again. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say there. There definitely still is a mystique around them. <laughs> right, because because there's a lot of questions about what's real and what's not, like uh, yeah, cannibal holocaust exactly. kind of shit. You know. When did you yeah. first get into that I kind was, of stuff? Faces of death, or just like or just like movies and- horror movies? Yeah, like what's your initiation into it? Uh, I don't know. I've always liked horror movies. Um, I, my parents showed me Creepshow when I was really young. That's and, what uh, my movie's about. Like, I, yeah. in a, it's actually, like, my movie that I just made is about me watching. It's uh-huh. about me, whatever, I don't care about saying this, I guess. Like, people will see it or not. But that's the, that's what the movie is. Uh, I remembered Creepshow 2 differently. Uh-huh. I had this memory of Creepshow too, and I told I was dating someone, and I told her about the movie, and then I watched it, and uh-huh. my memory, the way that I described what happened in Creepshow too, was so different than what actually happens in the film, and that made that made me like mm-hmm. realize a lot of things, and and that's what the movie's about that I just made. Oh, and I show and like we watch it. I like reenact the thing. Like it really happened. And uh yeah. And that's like the yeah, that's that's where the film comes from. Anyway, just <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, so I don't know if I'm gonna get the rights or what, but I literally put creep show too in my movie. Like <laughs> <laughs> I know I have things I put in my movie that I like didn't check on those things. Yeah, but I'm like, we'll see. It. 
Yeah, exactly. I uh, I hope I hope you let me. Right. <laughs> um. So creep show was was is your parents showed you creep show? How old were you? Yeah. Uh, maybe like seven or something. I don't really remember, okay. but I was really young. But they would show me sort of like more mainstream movies like that. Um, and then and then I got really into Quentin Tarantino when I was like eleven. And then after that, I started, like, discovering movies on my own, like, ones that he was referencing and stuff. And then right. and then that sort of just spiraled into me finding out about, you know, I don't know. I was, like, in high school, I was very obsessed with, like, westerns and kung fu movies and black exploitation movies and things like that. I've seen you reference Giallo films a bunch also. I'm a huge yeah. Giallo fan. Oh, yeah, especially yeah. Giallos. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> my, like, college, like, obsession was... Like I just watched, I, I tried to watch every single Giallo I could find and every, I'm, I'm older than yeah. 35. So like, it wasn't like just log onto the internet and BitTorrent it. Like, so I had to like track things down. I was always like finding DVDs and I was in like weird back internet, you know, forums and stuff. Uh, There's only one yeah. book I mean translated, but I love Giallo films. Yeah, I I would I would just buy things on VHS. So right. That's what I would do. I, so I would go to Amoeba, and the VHSs were much cheaper than the DVDs. Right. And I would sell candy at school to <laughs> to be able to afford the VHSs. And yeah, I used I collected DVDs too before, but then my house was robbed and they stole my DVDs. And then I just stuck with VHSs. And that's horrible. I know it was really sad. I. I, spent, I put so much of my teenage money into those yeah. DVDs, <laughs> but it's okay. It it actually, I I feel like it saved my life because if that didn't happen, I would have become like a really nerdy collector person. I'm really glad I'm not that. <laughs> it is weird that I was obsessive with it, probably similarly to you with getting like you know getting DVDs back then, and mm-hmm. I don't even know where they are now. You know, they're in some storage or in my parents' basement or something. Like I couldn't care any less. And yeah. I- I try not to be too attached to like I had thousands. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would I would organize them. I had hard drives that I would take where I would so I would rip DVDs forever. I would get them from libraries and stuff, take them, rip them onto a CDR. And mm-hmm. then when when external hard drives became a thing, I had just stacks of external hard drives filled with DVDs ripped that are like you know, thousands of movies. And I have no idea where they are. And like I don't really care. Because <laughs> because now like they're on Criterion or something like that, and it's just yeah. Now there's probably like a really sick know. transfer of all those that exactly. You know- <laughs> yeah. Someone did a much better job. Yeah, yeah. It's so it takes out like when I think of Faces of Death though, like there's something. So I had um, you know Pablo Larraín, the filmmaker. Mm, I'm not sure. Chilean filmmaker, whatever he it doesn't matter. Just like filmmaker that I really love, like. Uh, and he, I saw his film at Venice last year and he, um, it was supposed to come out, but then the quarantine and stuff. And they did like a single day screening on movie for free worldwide, but only Mm -hmm. for 24 hours. And I watched it and I told all these people that I was like, just spreading the word. I was like, this movie's great. You have to watch it. Like, and Mm -hmm. I was posting it a lot and I, um, I was so excited to watch. I like made a point to sit down and watch it for, for two hours. But 
there's all these other movies that like I'm really excited about and I love that like I don't get to because they're just sitting there waiting for me at any time that I want them and they're just in an endless queue and you know compared to like Faces of Death which I was I would man I was so excited for years to be able to watch it so like another movie I know you I've heard you reference like the look of you know Texas Chainsaw Massacre I wasn't allowed to watch for many years Pulp Fiction even I wasn't allowed to watch they were on my list seven I wasn't allowed to watch like mm-hmm. I had, a, there was a list of movies that were off limits and some of them were just straight up off limits. Okay. Like Lamberto Bava films. Like I had to track down like Mario Bava and Lamberto Bava films and stuff like that. And when I would get them, I'd be like, Oh my God, I got to be like watching it immediately. And it's just like an event. But like when the new, whatever you like now, like shit comes out constantly and I don't care. It's not the same, but like Faces of Death stays in my mind as this. As the forbidden movie? Yeah, like, (laughs) but we don't have that anymore because you could just do it right away. Like you could go, you can go get anything you want right away Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter. It's so, I don't know. Well, that's why I think the greatest filmmaker in the world right now is Neil Breen. He makes movies impossible to watch. It's so brilliant. Tell me about it. Most brilliant distribution system I've ever ever come across. He has a different website for every movie and a different email attached to that website. And you have to email that email asking to buy the movie. And then he'll send it to you in four weeks. In in a little in a little jewel case. And it's thirty dollars each movie. It's 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 pretty amazing. Wow. Uh he's a genius. Uh, right now, though, we're trying to get through all the Puppet Master movies. It's really tough. Here, I was obsessed with Puppet Master back in the day. I loved those movies. I got the box set one time, whenever that came out. Oh, that's what's on right now. I'm talking about uh, Puppet Master. Hello. <laughs> Hi. This is Selena, my roommate. Hi. I'm nice to meet you. Sean. Franchise breakdown right now. <laughs> We got our stopwatch and the little graph going. Got some Puppet Master characteristics. One oh, my God. Here, do you want to explain the Puppet Master graph? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, so going up and down, it's like Matrix style. You know, there's like all 13 are here. And then these are characteristics that I started noticing. And we're going to check them off as they fit these criteria. So we've got Puppet Vision. <laughs> You know, point, like, like point of view yeah yeah exactly i'm always a huge fan of different types like of when they put like the hook right in front of the camera and they go yeah right yeah, like, yeah. so puppet vision that ha- that's been in one and five but it hasn't come up in two yet um got dogs in one very important narrations there, only there's a peak and ease in part one which yeah. is really rare peak and ease is in movies are super rare both, <laughs> both two and five are pretty computer heavy and also involve the government Okay. Similar to Neil Breen. I was, just, I, was Neil just, Breen. I was just telling him a little bit about Breen. See, I told you we're really good at watching movies. I love this. My, I, I like, you need to meet my grandmother at some point because, so I got in, like, my horror movie, like, Genesis comes from my grandma. My grandfather had a video distribution warehouse when I was a kid, and I would go there and just hang out and sit in, like, this back room, and they would just, I would just get, like, the the most fucked up movies like lucio fulci like like fucking splinter through the eye um Mm. those kinds of movies and my grandmother would let me watch them and uh they distributed full moon 
uh, which was which is Puppet Master. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And so I watched all those movies like on repeat all the time. I yeah. loved them so much. We were walking down the street a few months ago and uh, just saw some random person a block away from my grandmother's house wearing a full moon like production like jacket from the studio and she she said she just like got it ran like from someone like like a friend it was like a friend who worked there or something but she was she was she wasn't like a fan it was really funny but full moon made such cool shit and they made the comics also mm-hmm. yeah i just read like they're making like a, a puppet master spinoff based off of some of the comic books soon. they made a new one this year yeah but in i didn't watch it 2018 okay yeah yeah we have it we have it here lined up i haven't seen it yet okay yeah i think i have it they see like that's another one that's like in my fucking bit torrent somewhere and i'm it's yeah. just like in my like dropbox of movies to watch that i just haven't watched yet but like in another world at another time i would be like oh my god there's a new puppet master i gotta watch it immediately and it's yeah. been out for two years and i haven't watched it yet because like we uh we, we, we've been really big into franchises this quarantine. We watched all the Children of the Corns, all the Leprechauns, and all the It's Alive. So we're, we're, try, we're trying to get through Puppet Master, but, you know, there's 13 of them. And, you know. There's that many now? Oh, and, my uh, God. They're wow. all, like, they're all really similar to each other. They're, like, the same movie over and over again. Puppet Master is basically, like, the plot is Nazi guy invoked evil into these puppets and they live on and they, you know, they haunt and but also, kill. But also there, it's like this Egyptian mythology too that yeah. like brought them to life. Yeah. It's a, and sometimes the puppets are the villains and sometimes they're the heroes. And right. The, oh yeah, I remember when they like pivoted the series. I think it's, you know, like the third or the fourth or something where it's like the puppets are now the heroes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's a, you know, it's puppet master. <laughs> it eased my terror though, because I was always afraid of those things for a long time, and then it repersonified them a little bit. Yeah, so part could... part one is really great. It um, is, as it always is. Part one is always yeah. great, you know. Not always. Not true with Leprechaun. Okay. Part one is horrible. It's it's oh, like really, really, really horrible. Uh, I don't. I, I, I don't think I ever rewatched Leprechaun. I, I watched the first couple probably. Leprechaun doesn't get good till part three, and then part three, oh. four, and five masterpieces. Wow. Okay. Anything else that was horrible. Okay. Yeah. Um, when did you I know? Part of the one where the franchise gets better too as it goes on before it dips off. Right. Part six is the best. Friday the Thirteenth by far. Which one was part six? Jason lives. It's the one where he gets, it's like when, it's when Jason becomes superhuman. He's not just like a, like a, a, a dumb person anymore. He's, he like gets struck by lightning and becomes like a zombie basically. Alice Cooper did the theme Man. song and everything. Part six, Our yeah, movies Jason are lives. so good. Yeah. What, what do you, what do you tell like regular movie watchers why like why why do horror movies touch you in the way that they do 
Well, it's not even like the horror movies are my favorite genre. I, I, I like all genres of movies, so it's not like horror movies are my favorite, but they they are just like the most accessible to me. If, if like, I don't know, or I don't know, that's not even true either. You can just like, I don't know, you can just put on a horror movie and relax because, you know, not much. Or, but I sometimes do that with, you know, westerns and stuff too, like old B-westerns or, uh, I don't know. Do you find know. genre film speaks to you? Speci- just the general, like, umbrella I, I, of genre I, I film? Do, um, yeah, but, you know, movies of, and any type of movie really can really speak to me so it's not like specific i specifically watch genre movies you know we had like a the birdman day and uh okay things like that we've we 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 watched like some really shitty romantic comedies the other day too well, not that we really enjoyed those ones but you know what were the yeah. shitty romantic comedies oh I, I don't even want to go into that <laughs> uh but you know kind of, but you know like i said though nothing compares to neil breen he's my favorite filmmaker so tell me about what what kind of films does he make because i haven't seen his films i have to check them out um he's like a he's a filmmaker from vegas and that's how we got into him because we were i, I have like a vegas obsession i was just really missing it so we were trying to find the best movies in vegas and we we were recommended to watch Fateful Findings, which was his third movie out of five of his movies. And um, he, he's a, uh, he makes these movies all on his own. He didn't start making movies till he was like in his late forties. Okay. It's uh, he does them all by himself. He funds them all. Um, and that alone, just like he's, you know, an older man in Las Vegas making these movies starring himself that he writes and directs himself and they, they're they're just like so incredibly unique and he doesn't have anyone telling him how to make his movies he's just making what he wants and like i i can't i can't even describe them they're just like they're so esoteric and like um they're really out there very extremely unique movies <laughs> they're, What's they're all funny. About, like, sorry <laughs> no keep going you know, just like what, what's funny today is that someone can do that. And, you know, we have access, we have more access to things than we've ever had before. Yet, mm-hmm. it's so difficult to do something unique, esoteric, individual, idiosyncratic, yeah. because it's so difficult to not be part of the system. You know, if you're going to have a cinematographer if you're going to have a sound mix, if you're going to have, you know, you're going to shoot with actors, with sets, like you're using these elements that you're just mixing things from other things. And mm-hmm. it's so difficult to divorce yeah, he's just yourself. So separate from all right. I mean, that's so cool to hear. Yeah. I, I really want to learn. Yeah. It's and, and, and they're like they're legitimate movies too they're like he shot his first one 35 they mm-hmm. they're not just like him with a camera in his backyard or anything they're, they're real movies they're, and they're he, really he great does not too. want to show them in theaters 
No, no, he they they have theatrical run, like very successful theatrical runs every time. He has like, oh, a wow. huge cult following. He sells so he, he sells out theater. What does he do? Um, yeah, basically, and then and he gets the like an event around being there. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then after the theatrical run is done, he'll start the DVD sales on his websites. It's. So this is an analog to like the music industry that I've been talking about a lot where artists are kind of what, what needs to happen now is artists need to build their own, like it's been an option forever, but like we're just past the point that marketing really does anything for anyone besides the biggest artists. And it's not really marketing at this point. It's just placement. You know, it's not, it's not like there's strategy. It's just get yourself on the gigantic playlist and you get into the, rotation or you know you don't but there's no like route to doing it so artists will be building these things and they'll be pitching these things and and trying to promote themselves and stuff and it's just like it's not a route anymore and 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 it's been very hard for people to realize that that it's not even um i guess it's it's different than film because like you can still make a really good film put it into a festival get it paired with a distributor and like turn a film that you made for $150,000 into like a $5 million box office success. Like that can still happen with music. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, that's not really a thing. It can either just like go viral or it's in a major label and that's really it. Otherwise like you're in your own niche and it's just, you have some version of like a patronage model where people are, are, they're either subscribing to you know a feed that you create they're you know you're getting a certain amount of concert tickets sold per year you are selling you know a a a diverse enough amount offering like like with merch and whatever else but you know you're just speaking to an audience who specifically care about you and they show up for you and there's Mm -hmm. a, a set amount of people and you grow that a little bit maybe if you grow it a lot, you're wildly successful, but like you might not be famous, you know, it might not be something that gets into variety or whatever, like it's a totally different world. Yeah. (laughs) It's a, it seems much more difficult than what what I'm doing. So I don't know. Why? (laughs) I don't know. I, I can't think musically or anything. And then also just, you know, completely different industry than one I've been you know studying my whole life and right working in I, I just wouldn't know where to begin what do you consider really important for you know an, an independent filmmaker like yourself to understand industry wise um basically just like fuck all the nonsense and like just just like do whatever you want and don't pay attention to any rules whatever if you're making something good then people are going to watch it you know it doesn't have to be i don't know you don't even need money to make a good movie just go go out make make a movie i just made my last feature with all my own money and help from f- friends and stuff like that and your film donated to me. uh not not oh, this oh, one the but- second one yeah, the one I just finished. Um, wow. I mean, yeah, I shot this one all over the world. Like, I shot it LA, New York, Mexico City, Vegas, 
Baltimore. Oh my all, god. Lots of places. Cool. Um, all on film? Mm-hmm. 16 millimeter. Great. Um yeah, I like I my first film I had a cinematographer and this one I did too, but like halfway through the process I basically learned how to shoot myself. So uh, you know I, I'm like half a cinematographer in this one which makes it a lot easier because you know I just carry my camera with me and shoot and that's what I've been doing a lot with music videos and stuff too just like really guerrilla style I'll have like my boyfriend distract security guards while I like film (laughs) and then we'll run away (laughs) it's it's funny like that's like such a role reversal like you're supposed to be the one who goes over and flirts with them or something and instead (laughs) what he's like chopping it up like talking about some shit he thinks they're interested in you know like (laughs) Uh, we're we're in the Yucatan filming this music video and there's like these pink lakes but they're Uh like they don't want to film in front of them for whatever reason and my boyfriend or friend Doug, they were like, they were like jumping in front of, they were like clowning in front of the security guard. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. I was like filming my little sister walking in front of these pink lakes. <laughs> you got the shot. Yeah. Whatever it just, takes. Just yeah. yeah. It, is, it is funny with film. Um, like I went to film school and you cross this line at some point where you realize that like, what is the thing? What are you really trying to make? What are you really trying to say? What are you really trying to like? What's the, what's the action here? And I, I love, uh, I love Paul Schrader and his book, Transcendental Mm -hmm. Style and Film. And I, I, you know, starts with expression and ends with understanding that Mm -hmm. I always like to think about like expression is something that you can do on a daily basis but it should all be leading toward understanding and it's cool to get your voice out there but there should be something to it and often when you rinse your ideas and your practice through a filter like that you realize you, you you distill what you're doing to something much more simple and essential and all the stuff that you learn like when i went you know in film school and when you go get a mailroom job at some agency and whatever. And you get told that you got to do this and this and this and this to be part of the, whatever the fuck industry bullshit. Like mm-hmm. you realize like that has very little to do with what you're actually attempting. Yeah. Not everyone yeah, crosses like, that line. I don't know. I like, I don't even, it would be really cool if I, had budgets for my movies and stuff but I would never want to make like a stupid like sellout piece of shit like why why would people even aspire to make like lame fucking blockbusters with shitty movies like that don't you like aren't you trying to be an artist I don't know it's like I don't know it'd be really cool if it got that sort of distribution what that, do you think I mean you know that you saw it but I don't know I don't want to make some formulaic crap you've been you've you know the the people who do so what where do you think the disconnect is between what you just said and the people who end up doing it they're just not artists they just want to be famous <laughs> stupid <laughs> i got into a thing uh you know what? i can just say who i don't really care like this isn't like personal but someone who works with taika waititi mm-hmm. responded i like popped off on my instagram a few weeks ago about how much i hate john krasinski and taika waititi and what it boils down to is I hate Taika Waititi significantly less than I hate John Krasinski. But you know who I'm talking about, right? 
Yeah, okay. I, just, I just, I don't, I don't have many feelings towards either of them. I, I don't expect you to. I don't think anyone else besides me does. <laughs> but I, I reference it to, to just like, I'll, I'm going to get to like what you were saying that, uh, you know, John Krasinski has this whole, I think like white savior thing that he puts out and he just, he just made this thing called uh, some good news. And during the quarantine where he just like basically did something distracting and pleasant and innocuous to distract people from their like sense of, you know, dread every day. And then he, he sold it to Viacom for like a shitload of money and he's not going to do it anymore. So he sold just the data of all these people and the subscriber numbers and the follower count, you know, to, to, uh, to Viacom, like not a fun company, you know? Um, and instead of handing it off to potentially like Rain Wilson, who doesn't get $10 million a movie, um, and Taika Waititi, I just see these two guys, I compare, you know, I, I lot them together because they love to just like be these faces and smile and like represent things and be in press all the time. And Taika Waititi like is this indie guy who started on his own, comes from really nothing, comes from an indigenous background actually in New Zealand. And like, yo, I'm so fucking happy for this guy that he gets to Hollywood and like all this, but what has he used it for? So like he's here, I'm, I'm skipping through like obvious points. I'm paraphrasing this man's life, you know, but like, and there's much more nuance to it, but it's like, he came from nothing. He made something that people cared about. Then he got access to the system. He got hired to do Thor. He got into the Marvel thing and he leveraged his Marvel thing to go make his own movie where he was the star of it. It was, it was a fucking garbage movie. In my opinion, Jojo rabbit, um, it was dumb as shit. And just like the whole, it was all like a publicity campaign for the, for him. And he's just like using his access to the system to make more. And now he's doing another Thor and like, he's just doing more junk. And like, I want to see, you know, so it, like my hope for you and, and, and art in general, like I want you to either like do what you're doing forever and just have enough to do what you're doing forever or if you so choose and you get access I, I want you to okay I want you to do what you're doing forever but I also want you to like have a nice house you know I want you to like be able to like put your kids through college you know and not yeah, have to like struggle for that like, you know, like a four-bedroom house in Vegas yeah I want you to have a four-bedroom house in Vegas I like you're gonna go dedicate yourself to your art I want you to be able to have a nice life also my next like hierarchy of of desires for art that i like is i would love to see you have budgets and access to the system but when you do that i want it to serve you i do not want you to just be there serving it and it's like well, taika waititi got access and he just like got a bigger house but he's just making fucking thor movies that like who, who cares who needs that i totally know what you're saying it's just like I don't know. I I wouldn't specifically say anything bad about him. It doesn't have to be about Taika Waititi. It doesn't really matter. But, but yeah, <laughs> I, I get exactly what you're saying. Um, like he irks me for some specific reason because yeah. of his face, but that's it. Like like forget that I'm weird and I'm obsessed with weird things. But <laughs> I I um yeah, anyone who who claims to be an artist but you know sort of sells out in such a way, you know, I don't I I don't. I mean, I don't know. They can do whatever they want. It's all good. I just, that's not what I want to do. Um, Lars von Trier is someone who's, you know, been really good about that. 
um, he's he gets significant budgets for all his movies, but he does whatever the fuck he wants, and you know his movies don't make money, but <laughs> he gets to keep making them. Yeah, he he's pretty amazing. Um, he's not American. Who, is the, who else? And Neil Breen. Neil Breen. <laughs> <laughs> the, those are, I love those Lars Venture. My, my boys. My modern day boys. <laughs> the, uh, the episode that I had that came up today with Isabel Sandoval, who is, is a filmmaker. She has a film called Lingua Franca that is, uh, it's out in France, I think, but um, she's still doing some festivals. Uh, she talked about Lars von Trier and Dancer in the Dark and Bjork a lot today. Um, and that, you know, we recorded it last week, but it came out today. But I have, oh, cool. I'm super pro Lars von Trier and I kind of feel yeah. like his process, you know, even when you get into like the Me Too kind of conversation, like he's an artist and like, yeah, he's like dark as fuck and he's done, he he takes people to fucked up places, but I don't think it's like yeah. he's, you know, I don't think he's like trying to, uh, you know, I mean, he's probably super fucking, he breaks people down and abuses people, but I don't think he's like trying to fuck someone. I don't think that's like the motivation. I don't think he's like thirsty, you know, he just wants to make art. Beautiful. <laughs> Wait, it cut out. Say that again. Oh, I said no, he's an artist. I think it's beautiful. What do you think in that sense of that? Like, where is the where do you land morally on the like what's allowed in art in that sense? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it really depends situation stuff. I don't, I don't think that if someone had a problem with how something was made, it should be censored. Um, I got into a lot of trouble about that, about Last Tango in Paris, because I went to go see it at the Arrow, and all these people were holding up signs, like, saying, oh, wow. uh, Bertolucci is, like, a rapist or whatever, and I, which is so fucking stupid, it's just, like, they misinterpreted something that Maria Schneider said 40 years ago. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, but, but me and my sister showed up with, like, other signs that said, protect art. Good for and, you. Uh, yeah, a bunch of people like really hate me for that still. <laughs> I don't I don't really know how saying protect art could have gotten me in so, so much trouble, but it really did. People people are real rabid on the internet. <laughs> I mean that is what brought it back? What was the was it just a general people fishing for me too in twenty seventeen, me too, you know, narratives and someone just brought the interview back? Was that it? Or was there anything that triggered it yeah they were, well they were trying to say that the arrow shouldn't show it that was where because, it came from okay yeah because um they claimed that maria schneider was getting assaulted on camera which just isn't true she didn't if you read the real interview <laughs> that's not what she said it, 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 it was it was chopped up yet. yeah <laughs> there's yeah. two articles you can yeah. read the actual article and then you could read the guardian summary yeah. of the article that references the interview from 20 years prior that in itself is a 20-year-old Guardian article. And then the third article that summarizes it again explains it like just straight up what you just said. Like Maria Schneider claimed that she was being sexually assaulted with a stick of butter at the time of shooting and Bertolucci tricked her into it and whatever. And that's just not what she said. 
she, yeah, she just claimed, her and Brando, like, said the same thing about Bertolucci. They just said, like, uh, that Bertolucci was, like, very emotionally violating throughout the filmmaking process, and they, they were, they compared it to rape, but, like, I don't know, people don't throw around that word anymore, so it, it's, like, very sensitive to hear now, I guess, but that's not at all what she meant. <laughs> like, I don't know, people, it's just, it's just really crazy. If you actually watch the movie, watch the scene in the movie, if the butter thing is shot from, like, five different angles, did she, yeah. did it, it's like, that's not what was happening. Right. <laughs> okay, um, Boyd Rice, Revolt Against Penis Envy, and your music video with Collapsing uh-huh. Scenery. Tell me about that. Uh-huh. Where that? Where did that idea come from? Um, well, Boyd wrote the the essay. The, the it's a satirical essay referencing like the Scum Manifesto, but his was R A P E Revolt Against Penis Envy, which is his like his pro rape manifesto, which is a joke, but. Um, Boyd is in sort of the same genre as collapsing scenery, so I thought it would be funny to have like this genre, I don't know, like industrial sort of people which have always sort of this air of controversy around them, to have like, you know, a new band, collapsing scenery, sort of taking that back. Um, so we got Boyd for the actual video, and since he wrote the pro-rape manifesto to have him being raped by a woman, in the video <laughs> so it's a satire um, of a satire satire of a satire it goes it's it's a it's a pretty deep one uh i actually you know so far so good i haven't run into haven't much gotten, trouble like, that one. Oh wow uh okay. but i think it's just because people don't know who he is really but okay. <laughs> i i think i think i made it as like a feminist video, which I, which I think it is. And, uh, that's what, you know, the Galore magazine that premiered, it said it was too. Um, so far that's what it's been interpreted as. So that's pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but otherwise, you know, usually whenever he is involved in anything, people sort of protest it without, you know, without any context or anything, but you know, I, I, I think it's been pretty well received. We need to fight against the mindless protesters of the world. We need to give them, I don't know what, I don't know what what perspective. I don't know. It's all right. People can be angry and think whatever they want. It's all good. It doesn't affect me any. (laughs) Is your new film going to cause stir? Um, I don't know. Some people have said that it might. I don't, I don't really think it should. It just depends how, um, how people interpret things. And, you know, if it's sort of, the moral of it is sort of open. So if, if someone interprets it one way and not another way, you know, that's all on them, not on me. So whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I've thought about I do. I dove into. I've watched your videos, you know, over the last few years. But I, I watched like all of them again in a row today, and I thought thank about you. this idea. Oh, I mean, well, thank you for coming on here, but uh, and thank you for making the videos that I had fun watching. Um, but 
I got this sense that, you know, people, the word nostalgia, where Mm -hmm. people will talk about being born in the wrong era and hearkening back to different times that they read about and like, so I've done a bunch of uh, like DJ episodes recently and we'll talk about New York and how last night I had someone on who's a, who's a brilliant writer and has written a lot about like nightlife in New York city actually. And talks about how she missed these times like studio 54 and whatever stuff that people fantasize about kind of. And I get this sense from you that you recall a lot. You, you, you reference, you symbol, you speak in symbols on camp a lot, but I don't get the sense that you care about reliving it. It doesn't feel nostalgic to me. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I don't really feel nostalgic. I, I like things from a certain era, but you know, I'm really happy to be living right now where, you know, I can, they, they know like what celiac disease is and stuff. <laughs> um, you know, if you had that in the sixties, you would just die. So <laughs> things like that. It's all good. Technology is happening. Um, I'm, I'm totally cool. It's 2020. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy, but. <laughs> how do you, how do you receive that nostalgia when you do see art made today that plays on the heartstrings of these bygone eras and the past. How do you feel when you see that as a consumer, I guess? Um, I don't really care about new movies that are like trying to, you know, make, make their, make like a, an homage to any sort of different era. I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I like, I like innovation and new voices instead of copying others, other people's voices. Who's doing that? Uh, Lars von Trier and Neil Breen. (laughs) What do you think of Anna Biller? (laughs) Oh, she's cool. Uh, Yeah, Love Witch was um, really, really pretty. The the cinematography was, was super stunning. I thought, yeah that the entire image that she created in so many different ways. Yeah. Really, really. I can't wait for her to make more. I can't wait to see it. There's actually, wait, I need to remember this title of this one movie. Um, God, there, I'm trying to think there's this one movie that, uh, actually did a really good job of doing like a, a sort of like throwback genre thing, but the fifties, horror movie and it's called the, Ske- the skeleton of <laughs> skeleton. it's, so funny. it's really the hard lost to get a skeleton of... it's called the lost skeleton of cadavra <laughs> wow okay it's I gotta so check it out. funny it's it's really really funny um that one that one's good okay but i mean it's more of like a spoof okay but but they made it look really good. Like I, when I, I like walked into like a screening of it once, and I thought it was a movie from the fifties, oh, and, you, and then I found out it was from two thousand one. Cool. Is it black and white or what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's really it's, cool. It's pretty hilarious. I gotta check it out. Where do you, where do you think of, you know, because you have 
you've said you've like gotten in trouble before, like with feminism and whatnot. Not like in your real trouble. or what I I mean, yeah, exactly. Like not not like trouble that's (laughs) like of consequence. I just mean like you've gotten like clapbacks and whatever. Um, Like, where do you feel? With because same with with like Love Witch, people can watch Love Witch and you know and think of feminism in in a certain way. Uh, that character can be viewed through different lenses, and I feel like your women in your work can be interpreted. It's it's it takes you have to be smart. You have to like have perspective to understand the type of feminism that you are putting out there. I don't know what 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 do you what goes into the construction of those kinds of characters for you? Um, I don't know. I guess every sort of character that, or at least female characters, sort of just like me writing myself. So, um, I don't know. I'm I sort of subscribe to the belief that feminism should just be you doing whatever you want and not really focusing on things like feminism because it's a little counterproductive right. um <laughs> uh so i don't know i i try to or i don't know i try to make characters that are either just doing that doing their thing or if not you know sort of um questioning that or sort of lost and or haven't discovered that yet or you know, I, um, I don't know. I, I write all sorts of different characters. It's hard, that's a hard one to, um, it's also hard to talk about that without, you know, having, um, people having seen my new film, you want to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, but my new film has like over a hundred people in it. So there's lots of different characters to dissect okay. and stuff when people watch it. <laughs> all right. Um, so to talk about, the like the um i don't know how to pronounce it but the the drangsal video where it's oh, drangsal. drangsal like you and your <laughs> yeah. sister it's super campy you're putting pizza and sex together like, <laughs> like um, yeah yeah that was that was our video it's um, it's you and your sister and and you're like combining these different sorry go ahead yeah <laughs> We're just we're just trying to let everyone know that we were Hillary Hillary Clinton sex slaves. So. Oh right, I remember that note. Yeah. Yeah, it was just it was it was just like a, that video was just like a cry for help, you know. It was like SOS. It's like save us from Hillary Clinton. We're being held in her basement. What? Because she's a you didn't want her to be president, or or like. Or no, just, no, no. We were her sex slaves. But you want to be rescued. Uh huh. So. Yeah, haven't you heard of Pizzagate? Everyone oh, knows the that, Pizzagate that thing. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Oh, 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 right, right. Sorry, I forgot. Th- I forgot this. Okay, now I understand. Okay, I remember Pizzagate. That was like the fake news, ridiculous thing that people really believe. No, 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 it's real. That was real footage. Oh yes, of course. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it was a cry for help. <laughs> What a world! <laughs> Twitter's get Twitter's starting to censor Donald Trump though. Finally, so or not censor, yeah. but just flag him, like like flag it as not necessarily the truth. I feel like that's that's not 
a good move universally, but if you're the president, I feel like that's pretty fair that that can happen to you. For me, I'm just kind of in the position, like I'm just of the thinking that we need more checks against this guy. And more check, yeah. yeah. We also need more stimulus check. We got one. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been home, so I like don't know if I got mine yet. I'm sending my friend to go check my mail, but I've been in Mexico this whole time, so I actually don't even know. I got my direct deposit. Oh, well then I fucked up. I have to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been the most like on top of it. I've just kind of been checked out and like reading books and stuff and like working on my music and the world is like, I've used this time to really not involve myself in the world. And it's been cool. Yeah. That's good. Cool. Yeah. I was actually, before this all happened, I was like, oh, I just, I feel like I need just like a break. I want to go to like Iceland or something and just like work on stuff. But I don't know. I got, got my break. I didn't go anywhere, but <laughs> I still got my break. It's all good. Right. <laughs> I think uh, a lot of people, yeah, I mean, this has been an exciting time for me. I really wanted this for a long time. Like, like beyond, you know, the horror in the world right now, it's like, there's a lot of sadness and stress, but it's, um, if you can meditate on it, it's a really unique opportunity that we're probably never going to get again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I was able to get healthy too. I was pretty, I was sick for like a year pretty much. So I, I think I'm all better now. It's just all good. I mean, not fully, but. Yeah. feel better so I wouldn't have been able to do that if I just was just like on the go and stuff still so that's huge I mean I've, I'm exactly the same like I needed months to be by the ocean and heal and um, yeah. I don't know if I'm like healed I'm just better right now which is really nice so I kind of bought myself probably like a year of you know like functionality <laughs> which is nice. So I'm excited for the last, like, I don't think I'll be like getting interrupted for a while at least, which is cool. And maybe we'll be better. Yeah. It's possible. Um, I wanted to talk about, uh, so how'd you get into the trauma world? Oh, um, it was like really easy. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> I, I took a tour of trauma when I was like 15 when I went to New York because um, my aunt lives there. I went and like visited her and I was like, oh, I want to go to trauma. And then yeah. uh, then I, I made that the movie BC Butcher that I made when I was 17. And then uh, and then I just like emailed Lloyd because his email is really easy to find. It was like in a book <laughs> that he wrote. He's like, do you need to email me? Here's my email. And I was just like, hey, Lloyd, you don't know me, but I took a tour. Here's a picture of me sitting at your desk. Because uh, he wasn't there when I went there, and I was like, I made a movie, and you guys are going to distribute it, okay? And he was just <laughs> like, uh, well, you know, we got to, maybe you can try another company. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I, I'm, it's already set in my mind that you guys are going to do it, so you're going to do it. And then he was eventually just like, okay. It was, <laughs> it was, it was like literally as easy as that. <laughs> That's awesome. Have you, are, are you going to, are you like in the family now, or are you going to do more stuff together? 
or was it just oh, no, distribution? Never, never, ever, ever again. I don't even, I don't recommend ever working with those people, but, oh. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's cool that I had a movie with them. They just like, they'll just rip you off and lie to you for the rest of your life. So. Oh my God. <laughs> well, that's horrible to hear. <laughs> I mean, that's what makes this shit really hard because we know that when we, you know, whatever, like sell out, like when we go to the majors and the big agencies and stuff like that, we know that we're getting a bunch of people that don't really care about us, but like we just have to feed them and they'll do what, you know, there's an agreement kind of, and we get something and they get something. But what makes it, you know, what's much scarier is when you're with like the indies, the people who are supposed to be the ones who are in it for, you know, for the art and yeah. then you still get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, with trauma, it's, it's sort of like something that everyone knows too. There's like, oh, watch out for them. But um, Jeez. it's whatever. I probably wouldn't have made that much money off of it anyways. Actually, I don't know. I probably would have, but <laughs> like pennies to them, but like a significant amount to me. So it's like, come on, just give it to me. Whatever. Right. If you're independent. They're yeah, all, makes the, like Hoffman's like a millionaire separate from trauma. So it's kind of shitty that he robs independent filmmakers. That's terrible. I, well, I wasn't really aware. I have up on it for the last, like I, I read his book in college, you know, but yeah. And I watched, you know, I love like the energy of toxic Avenger and stuff like that and terra firma and like, but those are, long time ago i have no yeah. idea going on for a while like you were the first I did, thing I did, yeah i did i did see his his new movie uh shakespeare's shitstorm okay. <laughs> Which is, uh it's not it's not out yet but i saw like an advanced screening thing they did of like an audience test thing and it was, i actually really liked it i think it's um it's very similar to like the citizen toxie and terra firmer days um, okay It'll be good. There's like something special about those films. Like the performances in those films are just so out there. Like that guy, yeah. I don't know, maybe Peter or something, but like just the, the muscle guy in the first Toxic Avenger, like his grit, like his just like crazy anger streaks. Like I just love those performances. They're so fucking bonkers. I love it. Yeah, you'll you'll really like Shakespeare's Shitstorm. Them, it's really funny. Okay, I'll find it whenever <laughs> it eventually starts to come out to the regular people. Yeah, I wonder when it will come out. I have no idea. How do they distribute at this point? Like, I saw that they were on movie, but I think that was like a like a throwback thing. Um, they 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 usually do pretty good distribution. They have, they have like small theaters play their stuff here and there. And um, I know Lloyd's last movie played at MoMA in New York, which was like kind of oh, a wow. big deal. That's awesome. Um, super legit. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I wish he would pay you. That sucks. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you're self funding, so it's like that's the money that goes directly to the next movie. That sucks. Yeah. It's all good. I wasn't expecting anything to happen with that movie. I just made it when I was 17. Right. I care more about, like, the other filmmakers that, you know, 
they think something's gonna happen with trauma and they they always tend to like bury the good movies too and then just promote like whatever movie has the most nudity or something in it um <laughs> the my friend that made a still really do good people movie. still give a shit about nudity in movies like with Pornhub? yeah yeah they do really the trauma type people do yeah 100 percent. why don't they just log on to Pornhub? the trauma fans are a different sort of like monkeys fans they're just like really gross people what are they like you know just monkeys fans are from both like tell me about the world like i'm interested in like worlds that i'm not familiar with um i don't know they're just like trauma fans are really really creepy to me usually and um I don't know. That that is just all they care about is just sort of watching movies where naked girls get killed. <laughs> but I don't know. There's a lot of really cool ones too that I, I've become friends with and talk with and stuff. But you know, uh, on, on a whole, I think um, you know a lot of them have been a little uh, weird with me. But you know, and the monkeys fans are like a whole another level. Where like, I don't know. I know a girl that was like was like roofied so someone get get closer oh, to wow. Mickey Dolan like <laughs> like by another girl like another girl monkeys fan just roofied her so she can get closer to Mickey Dolan's oh. so like you know fucked up people like that or you know they like uh, I don't even want to get into it but they ruin their lives yeah That's all I'll say <laughs> I listened to a couple interviews and I, I won't mention like any of the names but I listened to a couple interviews that you did around the release of the first film and um yeah like the way that men talk to you is weird yeah <laughs> like they talk to you like they like there was this guy who i listened to one that was like rather innocuous and charming like a super fan kind of nerd guy and he was just like awkward and whatever but i listened to another one that this guy who's like nobody you know like not you know he's just a fucking like dude who you know interviews genre stuff like and he's talking to you like he's teaching you things and he's you know like you have to have the right answers and stuff and it was it wasn't it wasn't creepy like he wasn't like sexually creepy it was more just like he was talking down to you and impressed when you knew anything kind of thing you know and i I really it's like a i don't know i don't like the things i like to impress people so like i don't really care what people think about me at all it's just like if you want to teach me about something that's that's okay you i'm sure that made him feel good for a second i don't really care it's all good yeah that's what i saw it as it was like a bargain of like i will expose you to my audience while i get this moment of you know uh uh like i get this what's the uh dopamine that i get to talk down to this person like he he wasn't a dick to you he was just like talking from a position of of some assumed authority and i was just like i didn't like it do you find different parts of the industry more prevalent with that kind of stuff Mm. like how do you feel treated as you're not just like 
like there's one thing when it's an actress, but you're the one making the film. You're the entrepreneur. You are on camera often. You're the one doing the art. You're the one putting the money up to, you, you know, you're, you're figuring everything out. You're doing all these things. And how do you get treated around those things? And does it shift in different scenarios in different contexts? Um, I don't know. Usually all right. Um, because I don't, you know, I, from by what I do I don't really like have to deal with many people because I do everything when I do have to deal with people I sort of pick and choose who I deal with so I I mean I of course you know have had bad experiences with people but I just try to stay away from those people just like the mm -hmm. person I mentioned earlier who I had to block his number because he was being so horrible and then he killed his wife so I was fucking right yeah <laughs> This fucking wow. wife, psychopath, psycho. For real. Yeah. Have you yeah. been? So is this? This is like, I guess, the beginning for you, where like you're really building your squad, like this for this film. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah. The, this I, I have like a whole started crew now of, mm -hmm. not like film crew, like like my crew, my game, my gang. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Of all, no, of all mean, my friends, yeah. I like to make things with. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's I got I got a good team. Um, you could do it forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you want to go to festivals, or or do you want to create your own ecosystem? Both. What do you what What do you think? What do you see? Uh, I mean, I just want to make the things that I want to make, and then like whatever happens with them, it's all it's it's all whatever. It'll be cool if it goes to festivals. It'll be cool if it doesn't go to festivals. Um, it'll be cool if it. I don't know if anything. <laughs> I don't I dig know. it. The point is is making it. Yeah. How do you feel? I just like making. So where in the making, like, do you separate writing, production, like shooting, editing? Like, do these feel like different parts or does it feel like one whole part? Um, I really hate editing, like, so much, but I, I do it anyways because I wouldn't trust someone else to do it. Mm -hmm. I didn't edit BC Butcher and I felt like that was a mistake because it wasn't, it didn't turn out how I wanted it to. I, it's fine how it turned out, but it's just not what I was picturing because I had someone else edit it. And then I was like, oh, I'll just learn how to edit. So since then, I've been editing all my own stuff. And um, yeah, it's not it's not fun for me in the slightest, but I do it. Um, that's sort of like writing, except I'm drumming myself a little bit more with writing. It's just it's just really frustrating a lot of the time. The edit and, process, uh, the post process. And like a little draining. Um, what because you're not achieving what you want to achieve or because it's just a lot of tediousness or what wh what's the part that drains you um it's just like a i don't know it's a lot of like i don't know sometimes you'll like come up with an idea when you're in some emotional state and then when you have to like write it into the script you just try to get yourself back into that mm. it just like sucks <laughs> But I don't know, it's fun to do. But it's so much fun shooting for me and like pre production and um like casting people and working with people and, and like just making really exciting things happen. Um like or shooting something just 
exactly how you envisioned it or shooting something and making it nothing how you envisioned it, but even better. So like, so, so much fun. <laughs> Would you ever want to do I, that for other people? Produce someone's movie? Um, yeah, I've like, I've, I've done that before. It's, uh, it's, it's, that's pretty fun. Um, I've been talking with someone about like directing this script that they wrote, um, which is, I've never done that before to direct something that I haven't wrote, but, um, I don't know. We'll see if that happens. It's a bit weird right now, but, um, no one knows what's going on in the new world. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. I if if I did ever do something like that, it would be like written by someone that you know. You really, really. Like, I like yeah. idolize, which yeah. is I don't know. I have like ten scripts on my own that I really want to make, like super, super bad. Um, and I just wish I could make them really fast. And well, that's where the balance comes in with like money, so you know. Long, I know. Well, what happened with so? did you get like i I, i've like we this is a whole nother thread but like you know thinking about john cassavetes john cassavetes used his own money to make all of his films and he went and he acted in these more famous films to make to generate that money so he didn't have to rely on getting people to to invest in him you know you at you just did a gigantic Okay, yeah. So you just did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and like, uh, you know, is that opening up doors for you to like be a, you know, to be an actress that you get $100,000 for something that you go pay for? Yeah. Sorry. I mean, I didn't make any money off Once Upon a Time. No, I know you didn't make any money on that. I just mean like, uh, like that. I've never, I've yet to make a hundred thousand dollars off something, which that would be really cool. But it, yeah, people, I, I've gotten like jobs from that. Just like I, making BCT Butcher, like got me music video jobs and stuff. And then okay. that like, once upon a time in Hollywood, and then that slid into more jobs. I got like an acting manager after once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, I just did like right before lockdown happened, I, I acted in the killer's new music video. Oh, and, cool. Uh, okay. And then I also just got back from Alabama starring in like a slasher movie, which is going to be really cool. And then I was just in Detroit acting in this like a movie called Psycho Ape. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, I've, I've been doing just things like that all the time. To make okay, money. so that's the model. Yeah. Some music videos yeah, and acting I mean, to make features. Yeah. That's great that you can do it because there's a lot of people that just don't get enough flow you know they don't get enough gigs to to keep it going yeah i i have to hustle all the time i'm always really broke because you know make my movies and yeah but i don't know if I, if I don't have an acting job i'll i'll like i don't know sell clothes or something or <laughs> or i don't know watch dogs things like that but it's all for the art it's all beautiful for all so for how did, and for food and stuff like that and food too. and sustenance yeah <laughs> hierarchy of needs yeah so give me you know i know this is like things that you probably get asked all the time but like give me like interesting like you don't need to give the whole like once upon a time in hollywood like the junket stuff that you've said a thousand times but like 
I don't know what, what did that do for you? Like, this is like your, so I had, um, George Griffith on, I don't know if you're a Twin Peaks fan, but I'm a huge Twin Peaks fan. And I had George Griffith on, uh, uh last week and he was like a forever, his whole life, David Lynch fan. And <laughs> wrote David Lynch this letter that he, he was a TM guy, t- transcendental meditation. Like he was like a follower of David Lynch in every way. And like his dream was, you know, knowing him and whatever. And then he made a film and this was 2011. And like, he just, he wrote a beautiful handwritten letter and David read it and actually watched his film and like gave him notes back and like said great job and then 10 years later not 10 years later like five years later because when it came out uh cast him in twin peaks and like that's how it happened and it's this like so you know what was that like for you with like one of your you know artistic heroes that you get to that like how did it come about and and what did that feel like that's like sort of similar i first met quentin when i was 14 because i like tracked him down (laughs) basically and then I just like oh, attacked him I was like Quentin and then I proposed to him and I was 14 <laughs> and, uh, he like thought it was really funny and I don't know I I like saw him recently after he announced the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood um I thought he was going to be at the screening so I like, went and snuck backstage after to like the after party yeah and I was just like Quentin remember me I'm going to be a Manson girl. And he was just basically like, okay. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, that's amazing. Okay. To give, to give me an audition. So then I auditioned and then, then I got whatever, you know, the part ahead, which is really, really fun. It was pretty crazy. It was pretty surreal. Wow. That's, I mean, that's, it's so cool. Cause that's <laughs> not how it happened for a lot of the others who got cast. That's like, you're like a hero. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I, I wasn't even in SAG or anything. That's that's why I say I didn't make money off because I basically all the money I made I had to join pay to join SAG. So oh yeah, like, I'm yeah. in one movie like that. I've been like holding my SAG dues. Like I just I'm like SAG eligible. I'm in uh what's it called um Fifty Shades of Grey, and I'm like I have one scene. Yeah, and yeah, basically the amount of money I made on it. I think I did three days. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. It's like exactly the dues. So I've made like, you know, probably three or, you know what, in, in residuals, you get more actually. So I get a check every year from. Yeah. I actually just got my first residual check. So that was pretty fun. It's, it's crazy. Cause I forget, you know, I forget that like I was in the movie. I forgot, I forgot that I'm in the movie entirely. Like, unless like some girl, dms me on instagram or something and is like oh my god i saw you in 50 shades of gray which is the my favorite thing that happens in my life but other than that it's the residual check <laughs> it, it is i gotta say like like you're gonna have this forever that like people are gonna just randomly be like oh my god i saw the quentin tarantino movie and you're that shot they're gonna send you screen grabs forever and like so i i get these screen grabs from random people in 50 shades of gray they're like is this you and i'm like you're reminding me that I did it. It's, it was so much fun, though. Yeah, I, I was in a store the other day, and this guy's like, "Were you like the Manson girl?" And Terry oh, you're and I was like, that. and he just like ran out the store. He, he Afraid of you? Me. I think so. That's weird. I don't know if I would go that far. You have a great moment in the film, though. <laughs> like you have such an expressive moment. Like I'm sure there's a million different scenes that got shot and cut but you got kept like everyone's in it, but you got like 
you got a good moment. <laughs> yeah, that, that was like, Quentin just came up with that on the spot too. It wasn't in the script Whoa. or anything. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> no, you guys, yeah, and, and, and your sister's in it. And uh, yeah, you got, you got a great moment. No, but I, I love um, when the film came out, I, I loved it for like, I like flipped out. And so I, I'm not the same kind of Quentin fan that you are. I am, I, pro I probably have seen everything like as much as you have, but I'm like way more critical. I'm not like, I was like an, a diehard for a while. And then at some point I just like, I did, I, I wasn't as, was my connection okay? Are you hearing me okay? Okay. Oh, it said unstable. Great. Um, I, I was like annoyed. Like I hated Django Unchained. Uh, like go, getting up to that point in his career, I was tired, honestly. I loved um, Hateful Eight actually, but like I really did not like Django Unchained. And I thought Inglorious Bastards, like wh whatever, I don't need to go through all this. The point is just like, I was not a, I was a, I will go opening night every single time, but like, I'm not on the like Quentin Tarantino is my God. I like stopped doing that a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Going into this movie, I was ready to not care anymore. And I walked out of that thinking, so I was at Cannes, but I didn't get to see it because it was like impossible to get in, honestly. And mm -hmm. uh, so I saw it like whatever that was like a month later. I, I came out of that saying, you know, there's everything before this and there's this like, it, like in not just Quentin Tarantino's life, but like, this is like one of the best, most important films ever, period. It like is one of my favorite movies to ever exist. It is so joyous. And the, the cynicism that I thought Quentin Tarantino was like headed down this like dark path of that was really brilliant in his early career and then got to me really, really exhausting in the years leading up to this was like, it was a film about the negation of bitterness. And I was just, just so lifted by that, that he was saying to me, what I, what I read in it was he was saying, what if we laid out all these archetypes of people who created, who, who things happened to, and decisions occurred and actions occurred and missed connections or the wrong connections occurred to lead them to go influence so much of the world and civilization and culture with bitterness. What if that didn't happen? What if we changed it? What if people did things slightly different? And that was, and, and, and it's not a fantasy. You know, once upon a time is not a fantasy at all. It's, it, it's a, it's an explication. It shows us actually how this guy who's he's an alcoholic he hates himself he doesn't think he's you know but he can actually do it different and anyone else can also and it was so tangible and so so it wasn't fantastical it wasn't out there it wasn't uh they weren't movie stars they were just regular and you know the feet mm -hmm. were dirty like because because the feet get dirty when you walk around with sandals on mm -hmm. like because you're a person mm -hmm. And I just, I watched that and I'm like, everyone who watches this movie, like, should walk out of here knowing that, like, they can build whatever universe they want to build and they are fully responsible yeah. for it. 
And I, I love him yeah. so much for making it. I love, I, I watched it, I don't know, probably seven or eight times in theaters. Oh, wow. I saw it at, I went to Locarno also, and I saw it at Locarno with 6,000 people. Mm-hmm. I saw it at Grand Rex in Paris. I saw it in 70 millimeter twice. I saw it like everywhere I could see it. Oh, I love it so much. Wow. Yeah, that's great. I love it so much too. I'm so happy I'm in it. It's like, it's, uh, I don't know, sometimes I even like forget I am. It's really crazy. It's like kind of. I don't know. It's it's pretty wild. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, what I thought about... Sorry, sorry. Did I oh, cut out? Yeah, now you're back. What, what I thought about with you, um, one of the reasons why, you know, why I reached out, um, everyone else cast in that film is... Not everyone else, but 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 mo- most of the mans and girls are legacy castings from you know Hollywood uh, daughters, mm-hmm. and which is super cool. Like I know some of them, and that's and it's awesome. Um, but like I really wanted to talk to you because I I knew I didn't know exactly the story, but like I knew like no one is as connected. I feel like no one. You're like sort of the spiritual uh, actualization of once upon a time in Hollywood. Like you literally are the actualization of the ideas in the film as a person. <laughs> yeah, Qu- Quentin said he wanted me in the movie because he said I was a genuine freak. <laughs> sure, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like I, uh, the way you you embody the movie. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I like, um, I, I, I spent, I oddly, I don't even really know how this happened, but I oddly was friends with a lot of like 60s musicians and spent a lot of time with them. And Quentin really liked that. And Paul Revere and the Raiders were like a big part of the movie and Keith yeah. Allison in, in the movie that I just made. And, and you know, cool. <laughs> I guess I didn't know that. I'd like leave the room and be like, like, she knows Harvey and the Raiders. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> really funny. That's so the scene, like the that's one of my favorite scenes. They, they play it a couple times in the film, but the um man, the dance sequence, you know, at the pool at the Playboy Mansion is just like that was when in the movie I was like, oh my God. Like the first time I'm watching it, that was the moment when that song played. I that's when I fell in love. Mm-hmm. I was just when they were dancing and I felt just I don't even know what I felt. I can tell you what I felt in the last one, the last montage with all the signs, all the neon signs, but in that Playboy Mansion scene there was something I don't know. There's something something haunting and magical about that sequence and I that was when I fell in love with the film while I was watching. I was watching yeah. and I'm like, oh wow, this is great. I mean, like, cause I wasn't sure, you know, going into yeah. it. <laughs> That's cool. So you, you have all these crazy like connections, like the Rodney Bingenheimer stuff, the Ramones, like you have all these crazy connections to all these amazing legendary musicians and, and music people and film people. It's great. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I don't, it's not like a question, I guess. <laughs> 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 Any other yeah, like random stories? Like, when I... sorry, go ahead. Uh, oh, I was just gonna say, yeah, if I if I like some somebody's work, I usually tend to like reach out to them and try to be friends with them. So, you know, amazing. What's like? What's another? Give, give me like someone that you've reached out to that you're connected to that you're really happy about. Oh, I just started talking to Neil Breen. Hopefully I can work with him soon. <laughs> I got to watch these. What's the best? So the third one is the one that I should watch? Mm, I I think his first movie is a good one to start with. You, okay. you, it, it's probably good to go chronologically. Okay. His first movie is called Double Down. Okay. You should order it from his... Well, actually, never mind. I, I was going to say order it from his website, but he doesn't... He makes it so you can't order his first his first and second movie anymore i don't know why well how can i watch it (laughs) see it's a giant mystery you're just gonna have to figure it out because like i'm also in mexico and i don't even know how to get the packages if he were to send it to me but or maybe what yo like can i put do an episode with him i would totally do an episode with him and then maybe he'll let me watch (laughs) that could be fun know if he would do that he's really mysterious he's only ever done like one interview ever oh wow i'm sure people have asked him yeah um all right well i'll try and track down the films and uh yeah if i'm passionate about it i'll 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 next time i go to vegas i'll uh i'll pull a you and i'll just like i'll be like neil breen you have to meet with me and (laughs) well you can try it, yeah, or you can order his his last three okay. on his websites, Faithful Findings, um, Pass Through, and Twisted Pair. Okay. I think Pass Through might be my favorite. I don't know. It goes between Pass Through and, and Twisted Pair. I'll take what I, I can get. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it's it's a journey. Yeah. Seriously, though. I like didn't know about art until I found out about Neil Breen. That's a big statement. When did you find out about Neil Breen? In quarantine. No. Yeah. Just now? Yeah. This is all brand new? Yeah, my obsessions, they go like fast and hard. Wow. I thought we were talking about like someone that you had been obsessed with for years or whatever. Oh, so this is like right now this is this is contemporary yeah, I'm, I'm like i'm like already in contact with him i've seen i've seen literally every single like review on his movie every single wow. interview ever gave, given ever everything you just went right oh i love that okay cool i just released like a filmmaking master class for 160 dollars. it was six hours long and i bought it and watched it all in one sitting wow how was it it was incredible <laughs> I love that. Was it was it super out there? Like, was it actually like a lot of filmmaking ideas and technique that like you're not getting in other people's master classes? It's like it's very him. I don't mm. know how to describe it other than that. Would you describe it as more of a watch, like because you it's him doing it and it's like its own masterpiece of like art, or is it like more information, yeah. like? It's like, it's just so, it's like a six hour Breenism. 
That's you, cool. you can't really understand what that means until you see one of his movies, but you'll, you'll I, I get, yeah, it's I like, know what you're saying. Yeah. It's, it's so incredible. I, there's not even words to describe Neil Green. He's just like my favorite filmmaker. I, okay. Well, I got to go watch. I got to go figure out. I have, to, I have to go do my homework and, and I'm going to try and figure it out without tapping you, without asking you for the hookup. I'm going to try and see if I could, if I could, <laughs> maneuver the labyrinth that is this man okay but i may if i have if i if i hit any 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 walls i'll i'm happy i have you i have a source but this sounds cool oh i get it <laughs> that's what i was going to do first of course but uh yeah um i had a funny you know what? I'll talk about this offline. But we had a funny conversation with Mariana from um, about Mubi when Mubi came out about me tracking down movies. I was like telling people how to watch Mariana's film. Uh, she's the star of Pablo Larian's Emma, and we were like talking about it. It's like, mm -hmm. you know. So I'm saying, like, for you out there who are listening, who are not in Chile or the United Kingdom, like I've heard that there are websites that have. Um, virtual private networks where they can make your signal seem like it's in another place. And then you can, I don't know, I've heard borrow someone's password from this website and you can, even though you're not in Chile, you can watch this film. And, you know, I, I walked people through exactly how to watch her film, but like in a, uh, you know, <laughs> in a, I've heard that people, yeah, you know, because because it's not properly distributed, they're holding it back, I guess, until they could do a proper theatrical. Which I'm thrilled about, to be honest. But like, yo, if someone wants to watch the film right now, like, I just want them to watch the film right now. Um, I'm gonna, I'll send you this one because, I mean, I don't know if you're gonna like it. Okay. I, I don't yeah, know actually. Okay. I love it, but I don't. I think I think you're gonna like it. I think actually, no, I think you're gonna love it. Um, I'm not even gonna. Yeah, I just thought about it for two seconds. You're gonna love it there's ideas in it that you're going to really, okay. really vibe with. Um, yeah. I'm not going to tell you anymore because I want you to, okay, you're going to love it. And I should totally connect you with Mariana because okay. she's fucking great. And y'all are both like these like world breakers. Like that's what, that's why I love her is, is the character and her. Um, she breaks the world. Like she just like, yeah, she breaks the world. <laughs> And recreates it in her image. That's what that's what the movie is. She's 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 God. <laughs> okay, sweet. And Neil you Green do that plays too. God in all his movies, pretty much. So you have to cast him as God whenever you write a movie with God in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All well, right. Well, we got shit to do I now. Have to okay. Yeah. And this has been. I appreciate you so much for for your life and your work and what's coming next. And I appreciate your time in chatting with me. This is like, Thanks you know, on. my, 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 my pleasure. Like, this is like what makes this shit exciting for me. Cause you know, this is like, I just see you out there and I want to talk about this stuff. So I appreciate your openness Sweet. and I look forward to talking more and I'll give you all my feedback once I, once I get to watch these Neil Breen films and Hey, if anyone's listening and, and, wants to talk about Neil Breen films, 
you got two people here who will, who in a few days I'll have seen them all. And, uh, I'm not joking. Your, your life is like actually going to change. I can't wait. I love discovering. I, like I, that was, I, yeah. I've gotten like 10 different people into him since quarantine and like literally they've all become obsessed. Like uh, that's so especially exciting. one of my friends, his life is like, he's like a different person. It's so hard to discover shit now, you know, like everything is out there or it's buried. So like, this is, this is fucking yeah. cool. So I'm, I'm so, that's why I'm like, yeah, I'm awesome. Um, I'll put links to his stuff in the description also. And maybe we'll get some new fans for him. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. Kansas, this is... Neil okay, well, I'll, I'll get that from you and I'll put it in the description. Okay. Um, okay. And we look forward to your new film, Sometime in the New World, whenever the new world happens, wherever that is, whatever it looks like. Um, Best of luck. Stay healthy. Yeah, I've, I've, you know, okay, you too. And, you know. Peace. Thank you so much. Have a great night. <laughs> Bye. Okay.